It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, can we give it up for our worship team? They, they lead us in the atmosphere of God so well. Y'all, today my heart is really full because, um, I don't know, that young man that you saw getting baptized today, that was a long time coming. And I know that you weren't there for that. And, and I just want to let you know that that is worth celebrating, that it is somebody who is committing themselves to a relationship with Jesus after a long time. And then today, just, just a couple minutes ago, y'all remember Mary who we saw on the video of, of, she's battling through cancer and things like that. She had a major surgery just like a month ago and we're all praying for her. Well, she's here today. She is here today. My heart is so full. Dang, I hope that we could be like that all the time. When we gather together as a community, we can celebrate and we could celebrate hard and we can give God the gratitude, yeah? Well, what's up? <laughs> My name is Alan. I'm one of your pastors here at Whitewater. And uh, I just want to say thank you and welcome to anyone who's, who's hanging out with us for the first time here in the campus or online. And if you are hanging out with us for the first time online, will you just say, would you just, would you just say so? Because today, uh, I want to catch you up on the third installment of our series of conversations that we're collectively calling Let It Be. The name's cute, right? It's a play on the, on the famous Beatles song called Let It Be with the same name. But just because I'm curious, uh, just be honest right now, who hasn't heard of the song Let It Be? Who hasn't? Yeah, that's good. We all know it, right? Good, good, good. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm a really big fan of lyrics and things like that, and so I want to look at the second verse of that song. Can we pull it up? I'm going to read it for us, okay? And when the brokenhearted people living in the world agree... There will be an answer. Let it be. For though they may be parted, there is still the chance that they will see. There will be an answer. Let it be. Now, in light of these lyrics, I just want to ask something. Do we have broken-hearted people living in the world right now? Yeah? Even though there's partition and division, is there a chance that people will still see the truth? For us, man, there's already an answer. It's in the character, the nature in the teachings of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In his best sermon, message, or TED Talk ever recorded, Jesus taught us something that we call the be attitudes. So we can learn how to be a little bit more like Christ. How to be a citizen of heaven here on earth, and how to be more like the person God has called us to become. You know, Jess G. Pa Atkins started us off two weeks ago by teaching about how to be poor in spirit, Meaning, God blesses those who realize they're in a spiritual deficit without God, where we recognize our need for him. And you know what? It was really good to see David Vaughn last week. It was really good to see David Vaughn last week. Back up here. And he talked about those who mourn. More specifically, God blesses those who mourn about the sin in their own lives and the sin that plagues the whole world. So today, we're picking up with the third beatitude called um, from Matthew 5.5 when Jesus says this, Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. For they shall inherit the earth. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus is so brilliant, because all the Beatitudes lead into each other. And so if you haven't seen the past two sermons, please go check out our YouTube or, or our website to go catch up, because when you do, you get a fuller picture of what this Beatitude actually means. But just to summarize it for you right now, so being poor in spirit, first, you recognize your need for God. Then, 
uh, those who mourn, you grieve over the damage sin is doing with not just yourself, but with those around you, which leads you to start treating others with gentleness, humility, and meekness. Yo, I'm excited to learn about this with y'all, but before that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. Holy Spirit, we ask that you be present right now. We ask that you be present in the words, in the learnings, in the teachings. Give us wisdom. Open our hearts to your wisdom. God, we love you so much. We do all of this for you. We give gratitude to you. In Jesus' mighty name that we pray, amen. So blessed, blessed are the meek. When we think about the word meek and how it applies to a person's personality, we might think about someone who's got specific characteristics, right? Maybe you think about someone who's just shy, quiet, doesn't talk much. Or you, you think about someone who doesn't really say no, someone who's easy to boss around, or someone who you almost feel sorry for. But what I want us to remember is that the kind of kingdom that Jesus is in charge of is a kingdom that is upside down, backwards. It's a don't make no sense kind of kingdom where the concepts we grew up learning are actually opposite of what God intended for us to understand. So if there's anything for you to take away from this message today, it's this. Meek is not weak. Come on, say it with me right now. Meek is not weak. Because usually it's the meek kids in high school who people make weird assumptions about. It's the meek coworkers at your job who get taken advantage of, and it's meek people in our society who don't have a loud voice. And we've made meekness to be a certain weakness that dwells within someone that you have to fix or, or you have to go to therapy for. When a future employer asks you, what are your top three strengths? You say, motivated, passionate, driven, not meek, passive, gentle. How many know that as a culture, we've associated, associated strength with a personality trait and not a heart posture? We glorify the air of confidence as opposed to who we're confident in. That's why the world thinks that being meek is weak, because they don't know that the most powerful human to ever exist identified himself as humble and gentle of heart. Yo, we got to understand that in the New Testament times, that was really odd for Jesus to say especially because he was rising in popularity among the Jews. When they started hearing rumors that there's this Messiah that's coming, he's arriving, he's, they were like getting hype. Because over and over the Jews continued to be, to be oppressed by empires bigger than them. You had Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and in Jesus' day, it was Rome. And since the Jews were consistently being bulldozed by military force, they thought, yeah, yeah, this Messiah is going to be like a fusion of John Wick and William Wallace. And who could blame them when they were told of prophecies like the one in Isaiah 9, 4 through 5, and I'm going to say it in my, my best William Wallace voice, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. Freedom. Y'all should have seen first service. My wife was like. <laughs> but, but they were hoping for a charismatic military leader who, who was going to take some names, wreck some fools, and not take any crap from anybody. But then Jesus says, blessed are the meek. And what's even crazier is that the word meek in the English language doesn't even translate the Greek word properly. So the ancient Greek word for meek is praus. Pastor David Guzik says it like this, 
Proust has this idea of having the proper balance between anger and indifference, a powerful personality properly controlled and of humility. I'm going to say that one again. A powerful personality properly controlled and of humility. Simply put, a Proust person was not passive or easily pushed around, but they had strength under control. Let's say it again. Here we go. Strength under control. In fact, the word prowess was, was used to describe a wild stallion that was tamed under the guidance of a master. Because when it comes to horses like Seabiscuit, Hidalgo, Spirit, their wild nature requires submission to a master who can effectively utilize their weaknesses and help them harness their strengths in the right moments. Their submission allows them to, to not only reach their highest potential, but to also fulfill their purpose. And you can kind of see where Jesus is going with this, right? He's saying that the world, the world blesses those who flaunt their strength, hold it over people's heads, and show off how free they are because the only master they have is themselves. But God, God blesses those who know how to use their strength wisely as a service to other people, those who act gently even when being persecuted, and those who submit under the authority of the master of masters, Yahweh, the living God. Submit. Submit. Now look, I can understand that the word submit or submission can open up a can of worms, snakes, bears, capybaras. Some people, some people think the word is straight up nasty because there are so many different angles of conversations happening when it comes to submission, especially in American culture. You know, you got things like submission in marriage, submissive personality traits, submitting to government decisions, etc., etc. Here's the thing, I encourage you to have constructive conversations about those in your own homes. But at this moment, I want to look at the act of submitting in general because submitting is a huge part about being meek that we cannot ignore. And because of our world's history, not only does it have a bad rap in American culture, it's just incredibly misunderstood. Nowadays, it's been equated to handing over your autonomy to somebody else. Therefore, we think, if I submit, I lose my freedom. And I can see why we would think that, because check this out. The dictionary definition of submit is to yield oneself to the authority or will of another, or to permit oneself to be subjected to something. So yeah, it kind of seems like when you submit to someone, you hand over a certain part of your individuality. But let's be real for a hot minute. If we're not submitted to God, then we're submitted to something else. Some of us submit to our careers. Some of us submit to political leaders. Some of us submit to our emotions, to temptations, to social media, to toxic relationships. Most of us have submitted ourselves to the person in the mirror, and yet we still don't know our own identity. Submission is a derogatory term for someone who's never submitted to a perfect God. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. A meek person knows being submitted to God means you've yielded your life to a fatherly figure that only wants the absolute golden best for you. That you've handed over your life to someone who has the supreme wisdom to give you perfect advice. That you've given authority of yourself over to someone who has lordship over the entire universe. Submitting to God isn't weakness, it's just wise. And when we submit to God, not only does our, our meekness muscle grow, but we start to understand what it means to be under authority. And that authority is also not such a bad word. You know, I think that everyone has gone through or will go through seasons where they feel like the person that has authority over their life is misusing it. 
that they're being bullied instead of being led. And yo, that's real life. The harsh truth is that some people will abuse their power and some people will take your submission and use it against you. Spouses have abused their partners. Parents have abused their kids. Teachers taught with fear instead of knowledge and bosses ruled with dominion instead of compassion. And from the documentaries that have come out recently, spiritual leaders can harm their church. And I get it. As someone who suffered verbal abuse for years in my previous marriage, trust me, I've been there. But here's the thing. Some of us in this room and watching online are a husband or a wife. Some of us are parents to children. Some of us are teachers, and some of us here are managers or company owners in positions of authority. And all of us here are spiritual leaders. In order for us to change the culture and stigma of submission and authority, those of us in positions of influence need to be submitted to an almighty, gracious God. Because then we can learn how to lead with compassion. We can learn how to be stern without compromising our values, and we can learn how to build up leaders instead of tearing them down. In the Gospel of Spider-Man 616, it says, with great power comes great responsibility. Submission to God allows us to emulate the meek, prowess leader who knew this responsibility really well. You know what his name is? It's Jesus Christ. For those of us under authority, which is all of us, our submission to God allows us to understand our value in the kingdom of heaven, which is as inheritors of royalty and servanthood to King Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Royalty and servanthood. But let me be clear with something, okay? We are not called to submit to abusers, to those who cause physical, mental, or emotional trauma, to those who rip away innocence, those who destroy communities, or those who do the will of the devil and lead people into doing things that keep you away from God. Ephesians 5, 11 through 13 says, Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. Boundaries are so important for the Christian. Being meek is not weak. But being meek is being submitted to the Holy Spirit who can show you who has been given authority over a certain aspect of your life. So you could submit to them as if you were submitting to Jesus himself. To all of us who still live under the authority of eldership in our church, 1 Peter 5.5 5 says this, In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. To all of us who are under the authority of government leadership or of upper management, Romans 13.1 says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And to all of us who are in a community with others in any type of way, that's all of us. We all have families, friends, a church body, a small group. Ephesians 5.21 says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission towards each other shows reverence. Reverence for God through what he created, which is you and me. Yo, we got any overreactors in the house today? Overreactors? Husbands? This is not a trap, I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now look, sometimes I think that when we're so used to submitting to our emotions, our reactions to stressful situations hurt the people we're close to. How many times have you come home from a stressful day at work only to get into a fight with your family afterwards? 
How many times could you have saved friendships if y'all just found a place to eat? Hanger management can save relationships for real. How many countless lives would have been saved in the streets, in neighborhoods, and in war-torn countries if we all mutually submitted to each other? Man, I've noticed that there's this idea right now that puts our emotions at the controls of our logic, which leads to a lack of self-control. Now, like this, who's seen the movie Inside Out? Inside Out, yeah, yeah, right on. Awesome, right? It's a good movie, beautiful movie. Interesting imagery, though. It's an animated film about a girl named Riley and her emotions. Joy, sadness, fear, disgust, and anger. Each emotion is a separate character inside of Riley's mind. Now, the interesting part is that each of these characters have a control board where they can influence Riley's actions. Hmm. These emotions can control Riley? Again, I'm not bashing the film. It's one of the best animated movies in the past 10 years, but it's just another thing that adds on to this idea that what you feel is the truth. And don't get me wrong, emotions are a gift from God. They're important, but emotions were always meant to be good indicators, not good masters. Somebody who's looking to have their strength under control can't possibly control the strength of their anger if they submit to it all the time. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And it's not just submitting to anger that we need to be careful of. Submitting to jealousy can can make us harm people we love. Submitting to fear can make us lead people away from love. Submitting to depression can make us harm ourselves who God loves. The last attribute of the fruit of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul names is self-control. Why? Because your emotions are a powerful tool given by God and it needs to be controlled. You can change people's lives by how you use your emotions or how it uses you. When Jesus was being betrayed, Judas had brought over some soldiers with, with swords and clubs to, to arrest Jesus right there and then. And as soon as these guys grabbed him, Peter took one of those swords and sliced the dude's ear off. At that moment, Jesus says in Matthew 26, 52 through 54, he says, Man, put your sword back in its place. For all who draw on the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? Did y'all catch that? That strength under control. Man, do y'all know how many soldiers there are in a legion? During the time of the New Testament, a legion typically consisted of around 5,000 and 6,000 soldiers. So if I do my math right, and y'all know I'm not good at math even though I'm Asian, it's, that's around, <laughs> yo, that's around 70,000 angels that would rescue Jesus right there in that moment. Major overkill, but that's Jesus being humble. That's Jesus saying, I can, but I won't. Being meek means having more moments where you can say to yourself, yeah, I can, but I won't. Because actions have consequences. And when we blindly use our strength based on just how we feel in the moment, we can cause damage we never intended. Yo, can you imagine where we would be right now if Jesus chose to save himself and the disciples that night? Would we even be here? Would we even have these chairs, this church? Would we have Christianity? Jesus chose to submit to Judas and those soldiers that night because he loved you too much. Jesus said, I can destroy all these Pharisees plotting to kill me right now, but I won't because Michelle needs me to die for her. 
I can take this cross I'm carrying and break it in half right now, but I won't because Carter needs my spirit to live inside of him. I can send a battalion of angels right now to wipe out the entire Roman army, but I won't because Riley needs to be in the family of God. Jesus submitted to the authorities that he knew would whip him, slash him, stab him, mock him, beat him, and murder him in public, and yet we want to quit when our bosses tell us to come in early. We don't want to support our own government because they don't agree with how we feel about stuff. We don't want to listen to our parents because they don't understand us. Man, we need to learn this type of meekness from Jesus because submission is not dirty in the hands of God. It's holy, which means it's separate, which means it's different in the best way possible. In comparison to what Jesus went through, we need to think about authority differently. Yo, because sometimes your boss isn't trying to bully you. She's just trying to help you grow. Most of the times, your, your parents aren't trying to take anything away from you. They're just trying to prevent pain in your life. And I need to say this to someone right now. Because I, I, I feel someone needs to hear this right now. Are you ready? God isn't punishing you. He just knows what needs to happen in order for you to level up in the kingdom. Do you trust him? Yo, back in the day, your boy was a, your boy was a Starbucks shift manager in Canton, Ohio. And when COVID hit, uh, a lot of stores closed down, and the company asked some brave volunteers to, you know, work at one of the only open stores in the region for a little bit of extra dough. Okay, so I had incentive. So there were a few of us shift managers who were temporarily stationed at the Jackson store in Canton. And one day, the entire population of Canton, Ohio, just decided to come to our store <laughs> because they've been stuck in their houses with each other for a week. And I remember there was this one time where I saw a bunch of cars just like, funneling into our parking lot. And do you remember that scene in The Lion King where, where Simba was a kid and he's in the gorge and then he sees like a whole stampede and his eyes open up and the, the thing, the ground starts to shake and he opens up his mouth because they're about to crush him? That was me. Because I was managing the store that day. But in perfect timing, the, the regional manager, the regional manager came up, his name is Mike, he walks in the store, looks at me and says, you need help? And I said, nah, but yeah. And because I was aware of, of the ranking system there, I started to walk over to one of the drink stations, and, and back then we called that the bar. So I started walking over to the bar so he could manage the store, and I could just be one of the employees. But then he stops me and says, no, keep calling the shots. I'll make drinks for you today. And throughout my five-hour shift, he asked me what I needed for him to get done. He didn't question my leadership, and he was an incredible support system. Yo. He was the regional manager. He didn't have to submit to my authority that day. But in his meekness, he showed me a little bit of what Jesus says in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Being meek is having the humility to submit even when you know you don't have to. Humility is the foundation of being meek. It is the antidote to something that does so much harm in our world today. Y'all know what it is? It's called pride. Mary Fairchild from LearnReligions.com talks about pride in three key points. She says this, one, the sin of pride is an excessive preoccupation with self and one's own importance, achievements, status, or possessions. Number two, this sin is considered rebellion against God because it attributes to oneself the honor and glory that only God is due. And number three, pride is the opposite of humility a character quality that greatly pleases God and one that he rewards. 
pride prevents people from submitting to others, let alone God, because it makes you believe that you are above submission. It's the tool that Satan uses to deceive God's people into thinking they don't need him as much as we do. As a matter of fact, it was pride that caused the devil to fall. All my worship leaders and singers out there, we need to be careful because that fallen angel was a singer in heaven's choir and he wanted the glory all to come to him, not to God. And so naturally, he was booted because his pride was bigger than his praise. Man, y'all, make sure that your pride is never as big as your praise. Philippians 2.3 says it like this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. God blesses the meek because they know they are not the main character. Jesus is. He's the one who saves the lost and broken. He's the one with the superpower to conquer sin and death. He's the one who rose up from the ashes to fight darkness with light. When you recognize Jesus as the hero in your story, you start to understand the weight of the power that lives within you through the Holy Spirit. And you begin to realize that you don't need to flaunt your strengths anymore because your confidence is rooted in his character. We don't have to prove to anyone that we're worth spending time with because God compares our value with the death and resurrection of his son. You no longer rely on yourself for strength because you realize it was never yours to begin with. Jesus is what gives you real strength and Jesus is what gives you strength under control now before I close I want us to remember that being meek is not it is not letting people walk all over you it's not never getting angry it's not losing your self-value it is not never using your strengths and even if even if those things happen or you find yourself in a season or situations where those things are affecting your life, man, just remember, God is good. Yeah? God is good. And Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Even if the meek is being persecuted, they're still going to inherit the earth. Even if the meek is being bullied, they're still going to inherit the earth. And sometimes we can look at that part of the verse and think it's strictly just a reward for our situation right now in our human bodies. When, but, but I want to tell you right now that, that it's also a reward for the meek when they enter a new earth. Revelation 21.1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. Submitting to Jesus now, making him your Lord and letting him show you his unforced rhythms of grace will help you understand the strength of being meek. So will you submit to him today? And I know that some of us in this room are saying, okay, I get it, I get it, dude, but, but how do I submit to God? Well, we start by doing it the way Jesus did. On the night that he was betrayed, he went into the garden called Gethsemane so he could talk to our father. Yo, he was heartbroken. He was in anguish because of the pain he knew he would feel soon. I bet you anything that he imagined the lashes that would, that would be on his back. He imagined the blood dripping from his forehead as the crown of thorns were, were piercing his forehead. He, all, he was already feeling the nails on his wrists even though they weren't there yet. How many of us have ever had panic attacks even just thinking about something bad that might happen? Well, Jesus knew something bad was about to happen. That's why he says in Matthew 26, 38, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. He was depressed. But even in his sadness, he asks God in verse 39, My father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. But then Jesus submits. And he says, yet, 
Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Submission to God starts by just talking to him. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, I dare you to say this as you open your eyes. God, I submit to you today. If there's anyone who would like to submit to Jesus today through baptism, please come on up front. We'll pray for you. God, I submit to you today. We're going to practice that right now through worship. Let's go ahead and stand. Let's stand. We're going to submit to God right now. Just say it under your breath. We don't have to speak it all together. Just say it the way that you want to right now. God, I submit to you. I submit, Lord Jesus. I submit. I submit. Psalms 141.2 says, Accept my prayer as incense offered to you, and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Let's offer up our hands in submission to God right now. God, I submit. I submit. Father, we submit to you. We surrender to you. Help us be meek in your eyes. Don't let the enemy of pride enter our hearts. Be with us as we try to please you all the days of our lives. We submit every aspect of ourselves to you right now. We make room for you today to do whatever you want to. King Jesus, we praise you. We honor you. It's in your graceful, humble, powerful, meek name that we pray. Amen.